Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We are in a series called Running with the Giants. I want to talk to you today uh, from the, the, the man in the Bible, Jacob. Jacob in the Old Testament, a great man. Uh, of faith and uh, I just want to read in read Hebrews chapter 12 to you in verse 1 really where we get our text uh, for the whole series it says therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So we're talking about running with the giants. We're running this race uh, of, of a, with our life of faith. And it says, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, this crowd of witnesses, there are people, uh, the, the, the men and women who have gone before us and are now in heaven, they're cheering us on. And, you know, we get this kind of concept of running with the giants, kind of like if we were running a marathon, or if you're like me and you're like cardio, you're walking a marathon. Come on, somebody. Just me. Okay, cool. Uh, the rest of y'all love cardio. Praise God for you. We'll pray for you. And something's wrong with people that like cardio. Can I just stop? We're not even going to talk about the Bible yet. Man, some, anyways, it doesn't matter. So what happens is if we were walking or running a marathon and we would say, hey, we're just going to, we're going to pull one of these, these giants of the faith down from the stands that are cheering us on. And we're just, we're just, we're just going to ask them for some advice. We're going to say, hey, in 2021, you see what's going on. You see kind of where our culture is. You see kind of what we're concerned about and what we're walking through as a church, as Christians, as humans. What, would, what is some advice? you would give us what is a thought that you would give us and so uh, kind of that's what we're doing and so with the life of Jacob today I, I, as we look through the life of Jacob there's all kind of thoughts and all kind of things that I believe Jacob would say but if we could pull him down and we're walking or running a marathon with him I think he would ask this question I think he would ask this question he would ask this what are you wrestling with what are you wrestling with in your life we all go through things where we wrestle we wrestle with things in our hearts. We wrestle with things in our faith. We wrestle with relationships. And I believe Jacob would ask us, what are you wrestling with? And honestly, in Jacob's life, he wrestled. He constantly wrestled his entire life. He was wrestling for things in his life. And I'm going to show you some of that here in a moment. But, you know, the concept of wrestling to me is, is, is just, a, it's a concept of where there's two people. And y'all know if you've ever re seen wrestling in high school or you've watched it on TV, the WWE stuff, you know what I'm saying? When I was a kid, uh, we, me and my brothers, we were all into the WWE stuff. You know what I'm saying? Though, I mean, it was like, let's, let's, let, let's powerbomb each other all the time. It's funny because we've had our, our first child, you know, recently, and, and Ashley's all into this, this, let's watch old home videos right now. She's in this, this, this kick of let's look at all these pictures and let's watch all these home videos, as many as we can watch. I'm like, I don't want to see myself as a child. I, can, I, I was there. Let's do something else. You know what I'm saying? She's in this kick of let's watch all these old videos. And so we put this video on the other day, no kidding, put this video on. And my little brother, he's, 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 he's like an announcer. I don't know what he was announcing, but he was announcing things with this fake microphone in front of the camera. He was like putting on a little skit for the camera. Well, all of a sudden, no joke, true story, I come out of the, a different room. I didn't even, I guess I didn't know, or maybe I knew that they were filming. I come out, we were very young. I come out of the other room, and I'm like, 
and you see me behind it. My brother still continues to announce. Here's what happens. It's crazy. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden my brother comes in from the, from the doorway. He jumps into the screen. He's like, oh, and all of a sudden while my brother's announcing, we start going at it. I mean, we're wrestling. We're putting each other in the chokeholds. We're putting each other in power runs. And the whole time, my brother's just like, yeah, and the weather outside is 70 degrees. And I mean, it was the craziest thing. I mean, I'm hysterically laughing watching this video. Then we realize that my brother doesn't care that we're wrestling behind him. We grab him in the middle of his announcements, and we start powerbombing, slamming him. Here's the craziest thing. This shows you that we did it all the time. My little brother never missed a beat. He kept talking to the camera. He's getting chokehold. He's like, yeah, on the weather, 70 degrees. And as I was studying for this message about wrestling, I couldn't help but think of this video. And this is really what it is. It's this concept in life of where we have all these things going on and we're trying to focus on something, but there's all these things we can be wrestling with in our hearts. They can become distractions or they can become things in our lives that become deterrents. They can become things that can hinder us. They can be weights, as Hebrews says, weights that, that slow us down. And so I wanna talk to you today just for a few moments on the question on what are you wrestling with in your life? We all wrestle with things. Every one of us in this room watching online, there are all things we wrestle with. Jacob lived a life of wrestling. In fact, Jacob had a twin brother. Many of you know his name was Esau. And when Jacob was born, he was born wrestling with, Je with Esau. I'll show you the scripture in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 24. It says, when the time came for her to give birth, they, there were twin boys in her womb. The first come, the first came out, uh, was the first come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. He was named Jacob. Here's what's happening. She has twin boys, and she's, she, Esau comes out. And then as Esau comes out, grabbing the heel of Esau, wrestling with Esau, is the brother Jacob. And they named Jacob, him Jacob because the name Jacob actually means heel grabber. Heel grabber. So here's what's cool. I know what I should do. I should wait till I have a child, and then when I, they're born, you know what I'll do? I'll name him a heel grabber. I mean, just wonderful. We had such a hard time trying to figure out a name. We wanted meaning behind the name, and we wanted it to be God. And Like, nope. They, they were just like, hey, he's a heel grabber. Call him Jacob. Praise God. But he started his life wrestling. He started with his life, the beginning of his life, and really all throughout his life, he wrestles. And, and it's showing from the beginning of time. And I want to show you uh, really what's happening is Jacob and Esau, they wrestle for the birthright of, uh, uh, of what's going on. And then after birthright, what happens is, many of you know the story, uh, his, their father is getting very old and, he, and Jacob hears. Esau's the oldest, so he's going to get the birthright. He's going to get the blessing. And Jacob's mother hears this. And so Jacob comes up with all these ideas to try to receive or steal the blessing uh, from Esau. And I want to show it to you in Genesis chapter 27 in verse 18. It says, he went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you, I have done, I have done as you told me, please sit up and eat some of my game. 
so that you may give your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near me so I can touch you, my son, so to know whether you really are my son or not. Jacob went close to his father Esau, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Now what's happening here, many of you know, Esau was very hairy, Jacob was not, and so Isaac wanted to touch Jacob to make sure it was really Esau. Well, Jacob, what he had done is he covered himself in goat skin so that he would feel hairy. Now, Esau must have been a hairy dude if they covered themselves with goat. Okay, anyways, doesn't matter. Let's keep going. Verse 23, it says, He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your gain so that I may give you a blessing. Jacob's wrestling with, this, with his brother on getting his father's attention, of getting his father's blessing, of getting his father's approval. And that's really what we, one of the things we can wrestle with in life. One of the things that we can be wrestling with is we can wrestle for attention. We can wrestle for attention. And a lot of times when we think of wrestling for attention, we think of a young child that's wrestling for their parent's attention. But really in our life, in our culture today, we are living in a time where people are everywhere, young, old, and everybody in between are wrestling for attention and approval. We're wrestling, wrestling for this concept or this thought process of needing attention from someone, a boss, a spouse, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Or we need attention from, from, from anywhere or anything because we wanna, we wanna feel a, the approval. We, get it, we try to get attention from the world with all these likes that we try to get by the posts that we do. We post something that we think is, is, is a great word from God and so we're expecting all these likes or we post our opinions because we want people to jump on, our, on board with us with our opinions and we're trying to receive all this attention and we're living in an attention-seeking culture and this is not God. The only one that we should be seeking attention and approval from is God. Jacob was so caught up in trying to seek the attention, the approval, and the blessing from his father that he forgot that God was the one that really was in control of his life. And he tried to put matters into his own hands because he wanted the attention so bad. He said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna step in and I'm gonna start doing things. I'm gonna deceive in order to make things happen because I want this in my life. This is, what the, this is what approval and attention can do, uh, the need for it. It can make us, it can cause us to begin to shift and live ways we never would live. I want to I show it to you in chapter uh, 27, verse 15. Check this out. Then Rebekah, which is his mother, took the best clothes of Esau on her older son, which she had had in the house, and put them on her younger son. Then she also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skin. Here's, here's what's crazy. This is what the Lord was showing me to this week. When we have this, this need for attention, we have this need for approval, and I'm not just talking about for those that are, are, that are, are older, I'm not just talking about college students that are posting things on the internet. I'm talking about all of us. We have such a need for approval with our boss. We, need to tr we try to make things happen. We try to be seen by our boss, or we try to be seen by whoever, and here's what happens. Here's what happens. Jacob, this is what he did. He ended up changing what he was wearing and he started to put on a goat skin on his arms and his neck. Here's what happens. He began to try to change who he was 
to try to get someone else to think he was something else than he what it really was. Here's what, here's what happens, hear me. Here's what happens when we try to seek approval, we try to seek attention from man, from woman, whatever it is. We try to seek from attention and approval from anyone other than God. Here's what happens. The authenticity of who, authenticity of who God created us to be starts to fall out the window. And we start to change who we are as people. We start to change what we th- how we think. We start to change how we dress. We start to change how we talk. We start to change how we do business deals. All because we're trying to prove, have approval from someone when God is the one that should be the one getting approval. And we as a culture, we're wrestling for attention so much so that this is what's happening. So many people are changing who they really are at the core of who God's created them to be because they're trying to fit in or create this environment environment of what people think or see them as to be and it's causing people to literally lose the authenticity of who God's created them to be here's what happens when we lose our authenticity integrity goes out the window when we lose our authenticity our integrity goes out the window and let me tell you something let me tell you something oh my goodness I believe this there is nothing more valuable on this planet than our integrity There is nothing more valuable on this planet than our integrity. And let me me explain integrity. Integrity is when my private life and my public life meet. And so here's what happens. Who I am behind closed doors is the same person I am when I'm in church. Who I am behind closed doors with my spouse is the same way I am when I'm working with my business partners in the business world. Who I am in my, in behind closed doors when no one's looking and no one's around is the same way I am when I'm hanging out with my pastor. Come on, somebody. And here's what happens when we're seeking approval from people. We'll be sometimes not even realizing we'll begin to shift and change who we are and we're losing the authenticity of who we are and we're losing integrity. And this is why people are like, oh, Christians, they're just a bunch of hypocrites and oh, they're just, no, we're not a bunch of hypocrites. Here's what we're doing. We're getting so caught up in what culture is consumed with that we're being consumed with the same things. And so here's what happens. Now we need the same approval that the world needs. I don't need the same approval that the world needs. Why? Because I have a God that I serve that approves of me. I don't need the attention of a man or a woman in this city, in this world, wherever. Why? Because I have attention of the God of the universe who loves me and cares for me. We have to get to a place in our lives where we don't, we're not wrestling for attention. We're letting go of that because we know God is the one we want in our lives to be the one that's focused on us and approves of us. It's so important as we walk out and live our lives. He wanted his dad's blessing so much. He wanted his dad's approval so much that he was willing to change. For those that are young people in the room, we can want to fit in so much so that we can begin to change who we are. For those that are in college and room in high school, I've worked with students for so many years and I can't tell you how many students I've seen, they begin to shift what, how they dress. They start to shift what they wear and they start to shift where they go and they start to shift on how they act because so-and-so is and because everybody does it and because it, everybody, everybody's posting things like this and everybody's dressing like this and everybody's going to that place and every, everybody's got that, does those things with their boyfriend or girlfriend and everybody does it. And let me explain something to you. I don't wanna do what everybody's doing because I look at our culture and we're in a hot mess.
Thank you. Appreciate that. And so here's what it is. Here's what it is. It's I'm more concerned about my integrity and who God's made me than I am what someone thinks of me. Because in the end, hear me, hear me. In the end, if God approves of me, if God accepts me, if I have God's attention, I'm gonna be much more satisfied in life than what any other person can bring me or give attention to me. Don't change who you are. Hear me, don't change who you are. Even for those of us that are older, don't change who you are for someone else. That doesn't mean if you're married that you can't compromise. Oh my goodness, I'm not talking about that. You're like, well, Pastor Jordan said, I don't have to change. You change, you little sucker. You know, that's, don't tell your wife that, fellas, please. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about compromising with one another to begin to change into who God has created you to be. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we lose our integrity and we lose our authenticity because we're concerned about what someone else thinks of us. Does that make sense? so important that we understand this. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, Genesis chapter 29, we're going to continue to talk about uh, what Jacob wrestled with. Genesis chapter 29, verse 18, uh, since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told his fa- her, her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work with me uh, so that Jacob, so Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. Kind of strange, but that's what they did. Praise God. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to be just a few days. Finally, the time came for him to, be mar- to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said. Now give me what my wife so I can sleep with her. So Laban invited everyone to the neighborhood in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night, when it was dark, Laban took Leah and to Jacob. Leah was the older sister of, of, of Rachel. He took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. Laban had given Leah servant uh, Zilpah uh, to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. My man was stressed out. <laughs> Come on, somebody. What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? It's not our custom here to marry off a young daughter ahead of the firstborn, Laban replied. But wait until the bridal week is over, then we'll give you Rachel too, provided that you promise to work another seven years. He, he was wrestling for attention, but then as we see in this, this, this part of his life, he was wrestling for relationship. He was wrestling for relationship. And here's what's interesting about the story. Jacob falls in love with Rachel. And he's so in love with her. He says, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i work seven years for you if you give me your daughter. Laban says, cool, sounds good, you can do it. And then Laban, being the trickster that Laban is, is he takes, he takes his oldest daughter in the, the darkness of night and he hands, he hands her over to, to, to Jacob. Jacob just does his thing and here's what he gets up they wake up and oh my gosh it's not it's not Rachel what have you done and he says here's what I'll do I'll let you I'll let you have now Rachel if you work another seven years here's what's interesting here's what's interesting Jacob deceives his father and his brother and and steals the blessing from Esau he deceives him then he gets further along in life and here's what happens Laban deceives Jacob. Can I tell you the principle, hear me today, the principle of what you sow is what you reap is so strong on this planet. The principle, hear me, the principle of how, what we sow is what we will reap. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, telling you, it's so vital. How we treat people is how we will be treated in the future. 
How you treat people. Hear me. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. The, the concept of what we sow. When we bless, we're going to be blessed. When we're, when we're controlling, we're going to be controlled. When we deceive others in our workplace and we try to climb the ladder and we try to run over people, guess what's going to happen to us? The same exact thing relationally. Jacob is wrestling relationally now because now he's so in love with this woman, but now he's been deceived. And so here's what happens. Through the wrestling of relationship, through the wrestling of wanting this, this woman and being so in love with her and so in a hurry to marry her, he ends up being with the wrong person. Can I tell you this? I believe this. I believe this. For those of you that are single in the room, if we, can be, if we get impatient relationally, if we get impatient relationally, it's going to cause us to make mistakes. I, I want to read you the scripture verse, back, back in verse uh, 21. It says, finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement. Jacob said to her, now give me my wife so that I can sleep with her. My man was thirsty. Come on, somebody legitimately he doesn't say give me my wife so I can spend the rest of my life with her oh I just can't wait to spend the rest of no he's like give me my wife so I can sleep with her with her right now he was so, hear me he was so so caught up in her beauty that here's what happens he just said I'm, I, we got to do it right now and here's what happened he should have known the customs the, everybody knew the customs the customs were the oldest daughter is always given away before the youngest daughter he should have known that so but it's because of his impatience it caused him to be impure it caused him to end up giving, being with someone that he never wanted to be with. And I'm telling you, hear me today, it, it, for those relationally that you're, you're struggling with, oh, God, where's my spouse? And oh, God, where's my boyfriend, my girlfriend? Oh, God, what's happening? And here's what happens. We can get lonely, and through our loneliness, we can begin to make decisions. And I'm telling you this, hear me. Lo every decision made in loneliness will always lead to loneliness. Every decision made, hear me, in loneliness will always lead us to loneliness. For those of us that are old enough to know, we know we've made decisions in loneliness. Guess what happened? We end up being more lonely. Why? Because a relationship, a person can't fix what God is trying to do in our hearts. Loneliness, I believe this. Loneliness, I believe, is God's phone call, his ringtone, if you will, for us to say, God, we need you. We oftentimes miss God's call to our lives, his ringtone. We, we oftentimes miss his call in our phones because here's what happens. We're running to another relationship because we need to be fulfilled in this void that we have that we call loneliness. For those of us that are married wrestling, wrestling relationally, what does that mean for us? And here's what I, I believe. It's, it's when we're single, it's this, we're wrestling with loneliness. When we're married and we, we, we have our family, here's what it is. It's we're wrestling with selfishness. It's loneliness and it's selfishness. Here's what happens. Let me explain. When we get married and we have our families, we quickly become more about ourselves to where here's what happens. We quickly forget God in our relationships. God should be the center of our relationship, no matter what we have going on. When we're married, the focal point of our relationship is God. If God is not at the center of our relationship, here's what happens. We begin to wrestle relationally with our spouse. Now we can't seem to get along. Now we can't seem to figure things out. Why? It's because we're being selfish in ourselves. Why? Because if my relationship with him is not good, my relationship here is not gonna be good. He is the one that teaches me love. Why? Because he is love. So my relationship starts here. And if I'm not right here, I'm going to be selfish here. 
Does that make sense? And so it's what happens is it gets us to a place of where now we have to ask ourselves, we have to, am I wrestling with my relationship with my spouse? Is it that God is in the center of our relationship? Have we really, and here's what happens. I'm telling you, as Christians, we can be strong believers, but we can get so caught up in being so busy and what's going on and the routines of life and we're just going through stuff that God can kind of be pushed to the side. Now God becomes this box that we put, we put him in and then, okay, church is coming, Sunday's coming, okay, get ready and we're going to go to church okay it's it's 7 45 it's our devotion time okay we're going to step into our devotion time we're going to do our 15 minutes of devotion together and now we're walking away and now is, does that mean god's the center because we give him 15 minutes of our relationships too much too intense i'm telling you this we will always hear me we will always struggle relationally we'll always relational we'll always wrestle relationally here if here's not right is God the center, the focal point? I love the word, I love the thought of focal point because you have your whole house. Your whole house is set up to, to look and to be around, to be focused on one thing. That's the focal point of the house. This is the same thing with God. Our whole lives, not part of our lives, not part, portion of our lives, not our business. We don't know. It's all of our lives. We put our focus and our attention on him and he is the focal point. And then from there, then I begin to walk out and live relationally here. Does that make sense? We can struggle, Jacob struggled relationally because he was caught up in this concept of being impatient and he needed these things and he was, and here's what happens. Here's what I wrote down, here's what I wrote down. It's, it's, it's interesting because he was so concerned about, about, about having her now that he didn't realize that God already wanted her to be with him. Here's what I know. For those of, of you that are single in the room, here's what I know. God is already going before you relationally. You don't, have to be, you don't have to be concerned. You don't have to look at so-and-so and so-and-so's relationship. Well, they're, they're, they're my age and they already, have, they already have kids or they're my age and they're already married or they're younger than me and they, they have, no. You don't have to be concerned about that. Why? Because God is going before you. And you may be struggling relationally with a friend. You may be struggling relationally with a, with a, with a family member. You may be struggling relationally. I may not be relationally as far as boyfriend, girlfriend, or, or husband, wife. You may be struggling differently relationally. Here's what I know. God is going before you. If you trust him and you love him and you love them, I'm telling you, God's going to work that relationship out. Allow God to be the center of that relationship in your heart and watch God begin to shift their lives. And I love this because all of us, and in this, on this planet, we wrestle. We wrestle with the concept of, even sometimes we wrestle with the concept of our relationship with God. Am I right with God? And does God really love me? And oh, I've been through so many things. And we can have this, this wrestling where we doubt and we don't doubt. And here's what's awesome about the God that we serve. He sent his son Jesus 2,000 years ago to wrestle for us, to fight for us, the sin that we all wrestle with. The Bible says that we've all fallen short, that all man has sinned. We've all made mistakes, all men and women. We've sinned and we've, we've fallen short of God's glory. And God saw that man and women, we struggle and we wrestle with sin. And so God said, you know what I'm gonna do? Because that, that sin separates me relationally from them. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send my son. Here's what Jesus said. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna lay my life down so that now relationally they don't have to wrestle. Now they're accepted. Now 
now they're approved of. All they have to do is turn to me, and now I, I, I'm with them, and I go before them. And so here's what's awesome about the God that we serve. He went ahead of us, and he wrestled. Now, we don't have to wrestle relationally. Does God love me? Does God care about me? No, it's an unconditional love. No matter what the condition of my heart or life looks like, no matter what the condition of your heart or your life looks like, you are not too far from him. Why? Because he sent his son to die on a cross to close the gap relationally so now that now that we can live in freedom with him not just live in eternity with him but also live in freedom on this earth from sin on this well as we walk out this life on this earth we serve a god who's gone before us who wrestles with for us and has wrestled with us for us Genesis chapter 30 and verse 31, very quickly. What wages do you want? Laban asked. Jacob replied, don't give me anything. Just do this one thing. I'll continue to tend and watch over your flocks. Let me inspect your flocks today and remove all the sheep and goats that are speckled or spotted along with all the black sheep. Give these to me as my wages. Here's what's happening. He's trying to, Laban's trying to say, okay, what do you want to get paid? He says, listen, don't give me anything. Just give me all the speckled and spotted in the, in the, in the sheep. And here's what happens. Those sheep were worth nothing. Those would be considered the, the you know, y'all probably heard the term black sheep. That's the sheep that they would kind of shepherds kind of brush aside. This, they, would, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't care about those because they weren't as valuable in the, in the man's terms. So he says, I'll take all those things. Jake, and Laban says, cool, sounds good. You can have them. Check out what Laban does in verse 34. All right, Laban replied, it will be as you say, but that very day Laban went out and removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted all the female goats that were speckled and spotted or had white patches and all the black sheep J Laban says totally fine I'll give you all those I'm gonna give them all to you you can have them and here's what Laban does as soon as he says good he goes and tells his sons go remove all those sheep and so that Laban so that Jacob has nothing he's wrestling He's wrestling. It's, it's this, constant, this constant theme in his life. It's he's wrestling relationally and he's wrestling for attention and now he's wrestling for wealth. As humans, what we can, we can get caught up in is we can get caught up in wrestling so much for, in, in wealth that we miss the real meaning of life. It's interesting to me as, as we see our culture, you know, the theme of our culture is climb the ladder. The theme of our culture is do what you gotta do, throw whoever you wanna throw under the bus. There's no such thing as loyalty. You do whatever you gotta do to get to the top. Well, so-and-so said this about me and oh, I'm gonna take so-and-so's business deal and I'm gonna wait to the very end for them to know because I don't want them to get upset. And so I'm just gonna, uh, and what happens is we, we get to the place of where we're just so overly concerned about our wealth that we forget about the people that we're working with or people that we're working for or people that are working for us. Don't get so concerned, hear me, don't get so concerned with your wealth that you forget that first God wants us to love people. That first God wants us to love others. He wants our hearts to be concerned more about the people we're working with than who makes the money and who doesn't. Oh, well, so-and-so has only been here for two months and uh, so-and-so has only been here for six months or so-and-so is 10 years younger than me and so-and-so is getting this spot and I'm not getting this spot. It's all good. Why? Because our wealth is not caught up in our own hands. Our wealth is, is in God's hands. God's going to bless his people. I've never seen, hear me, the Bible says it, I've never seen his children begging for bread. He's going to always care for us, but here's what happens. We can get so caught up in wrestling for wealth that we can forget that God is wanting us to love one another. And if we stop loving one another, now we're not even being his sons and his daughters the way that he desires for us to. Now we're caught up back in selfishness. 
Don't get so caught up in your education. Hear me. Don't get so caught up in your education that you're so concerned with education that you forget God's put you in that place because he wants you to be an influence to those around you in your life. I believe this. I really do. And y'all have heard me say this. I believe God places us in places solely based on not about how much money we make or not about how how much education we have, but to be an influence for him in those areas. I believe this. Every single person in this room, exactly where you are, is exactly where God wants you because he wants to use you as an influence to those around you. Here's the question. We can become so concerned with wrestling for wealth that we can forget God wants to use us to bring that glory to his name around us. What are you wrestling with? The thoughts that we should be wrestling with are not, okay, how do I make more money? We can be consumed. Oh, my goodness gracious. We can be consumed with how I make enough money and how do I make more money? What do I invest in? How do I how to invest more? Well, how am I going to retire? When am I going to retire? We can be so, oh, what's the new business deal? Okay, it's got to be a business idea. I've been watching Shark Tank for six years now. And every Shark Tank, I'm like, oh, I know Shark Tank. I know I'm one of those people. I'm gonna, what, and we can be so concerned. We can get so concerned with the wealth that we can forget that that's not the important thing. The important thing is I'm gonna be faithful where I am and God's gonna take care of the wealth. God wants me to then be responsible of loving those around me because he wants others to see him through me. What are you wrestling with? The thoughts we should be wrestling with is, God, am I, being, uh, am I loving enough? Am I caring enough? Am I, am, I, am I showing you enough? When I go to work, God, am I too concerned about making money and I'm not loving people? I'm too concerned about getting the job done that I'm being short with people and I'm not loving. God, okay, God, the, the weight, the thing that I should wrestle with is, God, how can I be more like you in this position? Not how can I make more money in this position? Does that make sense? Is this all right? Is this all right? It's so important that we would learn this because Jacob wrestled with wealth. He wrestled relationally. He wrestled with her attention and he lived his life struggling. He struggled to, he continued to wrestle. He continued to wrestle. He always, more things came up. He continued to, to, to fight for these things in his life. As we close today in Genesis chapter 32, it says in verse 24, it says, so Jacob was left alone. Jacob's going back to see his brother Esau. He sends his family ahead of him and the Bible says that he was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak when the man saw he could not overpower him he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he wrestled with them as he wrestled with the man verse 26 then the man said let me go for there's daybreak but Jacob replied check this out I will not let you go unless you bless me The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me your name? And then the man blessed him there. Jacob is really the only person in the scripture that we ever see where he, he actually wrestles with God. He has this wrestling match with God and all night long he's wrestling with God and the Bible says that God touches his hip and it causes him to, 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 to put a wrench in his hip. And here's what happens. Jacob is holding on to God. He's saying, he says, let me go. And Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. Jacob wrestled with relationships and he wrestled with wealth and he wrestled with it for attention from his dad. But here Jacob does something different. 
He begins to wrestle for reliance. Jacob's whole life, he was self-reliant. Everything changed in this, this moment here. Here's what happened. Jacob then, he doesn't say, okay, I'm going to gain this wealth, and I'm going to do this, and I want this. He's not going to say, I'm not going to deceive my dad in these relationships. I'm not going to get to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm looking for this relationship when I don't need it. No, here's what he says. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Not until I bless myself. See, here's what Jacob's life was about. Jacob, the problem was not his dad. The problem was not his brother. The problem was not his spouse. The problem was not his uncle. The problem was not the money that he was making. The problem was this. The thing that he wrestled with constantly that he never got to until this moment. The concept of self-reliance. It was he was so consumed with being self-reliant that he continued to wrestle. Here's what I know. Self-reliance will always lead us to struggle. Self-reliance will always lead us to struggle on this earth. God is wanting us to be a people to let go of self-reliance. Why? Because when I let go of my self-reliance, here's what happens. God blesses me. We can be so consumed with doing it ourselves, with needing to do it, with having it, with holding it. With it and God is just wanting us to say, it's yours. I don't want to hold on to the things of this earth. God, I want to hold on to you. Why? Because I know when I'm holding on to you, you're going to bless me. You're going to bring the spouse that I need. I know you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to give me the approval and the attention, the affirmation that I need. Everything that I need, God, I know is what you have. And so I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to let go of self-reliance. I'm going to let go of self-dependence. And here's what I'm going to do. God, I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to trust in you. Why? Because I know your ways, your thoughts, are higher and better than my thoughts. We are a culture, a society that preaches and teaches and lives, but just by the way we live our lives, of self-reliance. Literally, a reliant person completely goes against culture. It's countercultural. Everything we teach on this planet is be dependent in self. And God says, I'm, the biblical way is completely different. It's not make it your way, do it your way. Do, no, though that all leads to struggle. God's way is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to trust me. I want you to hold on to me. I want you to let go of self-reliance. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold on to me because I know when you hold on to me, you're going to be taken care of. You're going to be satisfied. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be everything that you need. All you have to do is let go of self-reliance. All you have to do is trust. And Jacob knew this in this moment. And so he says, I'm tired of wrestling in myself. God, I want you to bless me because I know your blessing is way better than my own blessing. I believe this when my wrestling stops, when I let go of my self-reliance, my, when my wrestling stops, my focus my attention, my perspective begins to change. And here's how it begins to change. It begins to change to the place of where now it's not about my plan, it's about his promises. See, we oftentimes are so caught up in our agendas and what we need and what we think is best and what our plan is and our five-year, 10-year, 15-year goals and all these things. And here's what happens, those things are all great. Have a five-year plan, have a 10-year plan. But don't hold them so tight that when God begins to knock on your door, the door of your heart, 
that you say, I can't do that right now. I can't go that route. That's not, no, 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 my plan was this, dot, 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 dot. And here's what happens when I let go of my self-reliance. Here's what happens. My plans now turn into his promises. And here's the great thing about his promises. When I hold on to his promises, when I have faith in his promises, when I trust his promises, here's what we know. His promises always come to pass. Now I can be confident. I don't have to be deceiving people and I don't have to try to work to get something or work for approval. Now I can be confident because I know he said it and if he said it, he's gonna do it. I wanna encourage you today. I wanna ask you today, what are you wrestling with? Maybe it's something we didn't even talk about in your life and maybe there's something you've been wrestling in your heart. But I'll tell you this, God desires for us to be a people that become less self-reliant and we get to the place where we become more dependent on him, that we live a life of dependence. This concept of every day, I need you. Every day, I need you. And for those of us that are a little older and we're kind of a little more stuck in our ways, here, here's what I know. We can become so reliant even just on our routines that our routines become God. When God is wanting us to say, That's, it's not about my routine. Here's what it's about. It's about my relationship with you. And as I have my relationship with you, God, I begin to understand and know your promises. And then not only do I begin to know, and st- know your, st- I begin to stand on your promises. And then from standing on your promises, I begin to receive your promises. But it all starts with the concept of my life is yours. I don't want to be caught up in what I want and my things and my thoughts. I don't want to wrestle with these things. God, here's what I want to do. I want to live my life depending on you because I know your ways are greater than my ways. Amen. Can we pray today, Father?